Hello, and welcome to Dirt Rich, seasonal conversations about food and farming. I'm Jared Lumen, the Soil Health Lead for the Sustainable Farming Association. Are you a livestock owner looking for land to graze on, or possibly crop residue and cover crops to extend your grazing season? Or maybe you're a crop farmer and you're looking for ways to add revenue to your farm and capture more value out of your cover crops. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, then this episode with Megan Filbert of the Practical Farmers of Iowa is for you. We're going to be discussing a new tool available to farmers to assist with what I just talked about. Megan, welcome to the Dirt Rich Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jared. Yeah, yeah, we're super excited about it. Um, It's been great over the last few months working with you. I've been able to get to know you, but for the rest of our listeners who maybe haven't uh, been able to meet you, tell us a little bit about yourself and and your farm. Yeah, well, like Jared said, my name is Megan and I am a beginning farmer and also work at Practical Farmers of Iowa. So I live in central Iowa and my husband and I started a farm this last summer. We're raising sheep and goats and poultry. And we live in an area of Iowa right next to the Des Moines River where this area historically was all oak savanna land and it hasn't been managed with grazing cattle for about the last 70 years. And wow. so all kinds of invasive species have grown up in the area. And so we're just trying to reclaim that oak savanna and use sheep and goats primarily to graze and browse honeysuckle and multiflora rose and other invasives to start kind of reclaiming this this space. That's that's so cool. I uh I obviously want to get onto the uh, grazing exchange, but that's fascinating to me. How did you kind of come to the conclusion of using livestock to make those changes on your land? Well, um, my husband's really familiar with like using fire prescribed burning and doing chainsaw work. And like, we have a pretty good idea of the labor that goes into that. And we certainly, um, you know, he spent hours and hours on end with tools out there in the woods, but we wanted another tool, which is livestock to help us do work while we're, you know, at all hours of the day. So like mm-hmm. right now, while I'm talking to you guys, the goats are out there doing work. Yeah. So it's just another tool that we have combining with fire and with mechanical work to help mm-hmm. us reclaim mm-hmm. this land. Awesome. And hopefully a revenue generating tool as well, not a revenue expensive. We can hope. That's awesome. Well, you kind of mentioned it there too, that you work for Practical Farmers of Iowa. And up in up here in Minnesota, you know, I I have heard of the organization. So clearly you're doing something right if if it's uh, gotten up here. But for those of our Minnesota listeners who maybe haven't heard of PFI before, tell us a little bit about that organization and what your work is uh, with them. Absolutely. Practical Farmers of Iowa was founded by farmers in 1985. So about 35 years ago. And we're a nonprofit. We're located in Ames, Iowa. Same same city as where Iowa State is. And our mission is to equip farmers to build more resilient farms and communities. And so we truly believe that farmers learn best from other farmers. And so we put on all kinds of events We're we're kind of known for our field days every summer and fall and an annual conference in January and 
Farminars, which is our version of farmer-led webinars. Um, we've done a podcast series in the past. We do videos and we, we tell stories. We also conduct on-farm research. And so through all of these platforms, we want to elevate farmers' voices and we want other farmers to learn from them. Okay, that's awesome. So it sounds kind of similar to what, what we're doing up here with just providing resources and networking for farmers in, in terms of regenerative and, and improving landscapes. That's Absolutely. And that's awesome. we feel lucky to have gotten to work pretty closely with both SFA and um, the Land Stewardship Project in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, we've enjoyed it too, or at least I can speak for SFA and it's been a great partnership in, in what we've been able to do. Um, but kind of moving on to today's topic, and, and this is something that's really exciting for me as well, personally, um, it, as a farmer and a livestock farmer, uh, is the Midwest Grazing Exchange um, and all of the opportunities that come with that. Just tell us a little bit about where, where, what it is, first of all, and, and what sparked that idea. Absolutely. So the Midwest Grazing Exchange, you can... Um, you know, if you're by computer listening, you could Google Midwest Grazing Exchange or go to MidwestGrazingExchange.com and check out the website. But essentially what we're talking about is a matchmaking website for livestock and land. Um, and really this was born out of getting requests quite often, like phone calls into the office asking you know, I have cover crops, but I don't have livestock. I'm not trying to get livestock. Do you know anyone that could potentially come graze these cover crops? Or very commonly and more frequently, I get calls um, with people asking to if they could rent some goats to graze their shrubs and invasive species in their backyard or like in the woods near them. And when, you know, I kept getting these calls and I also realized that several states already had similar type exchanges, like matchmaking sites, Minnesota included. Um, and then South Dakota has a grazing exchange. Nebraska has a crop residue exchange. So that was really born out of like finding cows to graze corn stalks. And very recently, I see that California started a grazing exchange called Match.Graze. And what, what we realized is that what would be useful is that there was more of a regional grazing exchange. Instead of every state having their own, we might as well use like similar software and platforms and make it multi-state. So I banded together with a group of grazing educators through um, the Midwest Perennial Forage Working Group. We're a facet of Greenland's Blue Waters, which is housed at the University of Minnesota. And together, a bunch of regional grazing educators kind of came up with this idea to make this Midwest Grazing Exchange. Yeah, now that's that's awesome. And, and I know we've even looked into beyond Minnesota borders and stuff up here. We have winters that are crazy, you know, it can be crazy. So far this year, you wouldn't guess that we could have crazy winters. It's been insanely beautiful, but I remember not too long ago, the polar vortex and it hasn't worked its way out of my mind yet. Um, but there are definitely advantages of maybe looking beyond your state borders. And so the idea of expanding uh, across the Midwest, I, I really like that idea and that's awesome. 
Um, what does the process look like for a farmer who says, I want to you know, participate in this? What should they do? How do they get, get their either livestock or land listed on it? Yeah, I'll walk listeners through. So when you go to the website, you can explore the different listings and you'll see a map of the Midwest. You can zoom in, you can zoom out, um, and you're going to see different pins. They're color coded based on if it's a listing advertising livestock available for grazing or a listing advertising land that is seeking livestock. So um, you can explore the different listings that are already there. And then if you're inclined to do so, you can create your own listing. And so um, what you do then is um, create a free account. So this website's completely free to use, create an account, and it'll walk you through a step-by-step process on what information and details to enter. And so it's, it, so I really like to use this analogy. It's kind of like Tinder for cows. It's like a matchmaking website where you fill out your profile, you fill in some details and you add photos. So you're able to add photos of your land or of your livestock. Um, and when you create your free account, you can save, like browse through the listings, save other listings of interest. And when you find a listing of interest, you can message that, that user through the website. You also have an option of adding your phone num- number if you'd like to be reached that way. And so you could just you know bypass the messaging system on the website if you wish and just text or call um, this potential match. That's awesome. It, it is really pretty simple. I, I know when I, I made a, a listing actually for our farm here too, and uh, it's really easy walk through step-by-step process. It makes it pretty simple. And um, it's also fun to scroll through and see uh, what the other people are that, that are posting and, and just the photos are, are neat to see as well. Um, as a livestock producer myself, I can totally see the advantages of this. You know, I I have a limited amount of pasture here and, and I can graze a certain amount of time. Um, and, and every day that my cattle are grazing is a day that I'm not feeding hay. <laughs> and that day that I'm not feeding hay is saving me quite a bit of money. Uh, the numbers add up pretty quick when you, when you start to total them up. And so for me as a livestock producer, if I can find somewhere to graze my cattle on somebody else's land for cheaper than I can uh, feed it at my own farm, uh, I'm going to do it. Um, but what are the advantages of a, you know, a landowner or a, or a crop farmer or, you know, or somebody trying to get cover crops or something, what kind of advantages would that offer to them? And, and does this site offer to them specifically? Yeah. So, those advantages maybe aren't quite as obvious. And I guess the like biggest, the, the, the biggest example that I can offer that comes to mind is that if you, if you plant cover crops as a row crop producer, we know that by grazing those cover crops, that is a way that you're going to benefit economically in the short term. Like within that same year of planting those cover crops, if they're grazed, you can turn a profit. You can Mm. pay for the cover crops and then some. Mm. And in Iowa, I mean, much like some parts of Minnesota, you know, we just do not have the amount of livestock on as many farms as we used to. And so, so many farmers are just rope are just row crop farmers, um, and don't really want to mess with livestock. And so that's why this concept of like 
working with a neighbor or maybe a younger farmer who's just trying to get started with an, with a livestock enterprise, um, where you could partner. And, you know, I, I've recently done the economics on, um, a contract grazing situation where neighbors, a neighbor is a grazer and the other neighbor is the row crop farmer. And he hauls his cattle over to graze um, in both the fall, winter, and into the spring. And both parties are economically benefiting. Um, obviously, the grazer benef- grazer's benefiting from saving hay and not having, having to feed his cattle in a lot. But the uh, row crop farmer, he's getting a cost share payment for the cover crops. He's getting a um, crop insurance discount for planting cover crops. And there's the grazer and the row crop farmer are splitting the cost of the cover crops half and half. So it's come, they're both coming out economically ahead um, through this partnership. So it's a win-win so that economically it can work out. Mm -hmm. The other benefit for landowners is that, you know, the practice of properly managed grazing we've, we've seen through more and more research that has come out that it, it benefits the soil. Hmm. There are many soil health benefits that come along with the practice of, of grazing. And of course we want to avoid overgrazing. I'm talking about, you know, properly managed grazing. I can't say it enough. Um, but we know that, um, land and forage can, really benefit from a pulse of grazing and then a proper rest period following it, which is, you know, how our, our amazing Midwestern soils were created by bison grazing for short amounts of time in tight, dense herds moving through the prairies. And so really we're trying to like emulate that again with the livestock that we do have and with, with the, the land that we do have. I know that a lot of landowners also, um, you know, they want to maybe not have to use herbicides to control weedy, brushy species that are encroaching. Um, and maybe some of them aren't super comfortable with fire, or maybe the area isn't suited for fire all of the time. And so grazing is a great tool to kind of help keep those unwanted vegetation species down. So there's really a plethora of reasons that range from economics, soil health, just to land management on why grazing can be so beneficial for your land. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I really like how you kind of highlighted the two benefits. A lot of times people hear about the soil health benefits, you know, the advantages of getting livestock and cover crops on their land. And, and that's totally true. I mean, it, it's great. There's lots of data and research to show that, but um, they don't maybe hear about the economic side and that it can be advantageous to do it as well. Um, and that specifically with the use of livestock, that that cover crop or that crop residue can can turn cash that year, you know, it can it generate revenue that year. Um, and, and I know I've just done simple rough numbers in my head, assuming, you know, if you can get 60 cow days per acre on crop residue alone, that's not even including cover crops and get 50 cents per head per day there, that's $30 an acre. Um, and you know, a thousand acres of corn, it's quite a bit of land. Sure. But that's $30,000. And for people maybe trying to consider how do they get their son home, you know, considering all the options of, you know, 
maybe a custom bailing business or building a hog barn or all these other options. There's a, there's a huge asset revenue potential sitting right there out in your cornfield that you maybe haven't tapped into yet. Um, and the fear of, of, of that livestock or, you know, that different, you know, it's, it's legit, but there's also opportunity. Absolutely. Jared. And I want to, um, talk a little bit more about that. The one thing you said is, is bringing a son home. So the more and more farmers I talk to who are row crop farmers who back in the day had livestock, but have sold them off. Um, and they're just barely breaking even right now. And they're looking for any way to add, to diversify, to, to add a profit stream, an income stream. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're realizing that, you know, if they have children that like integrating livestock into that cropping system uh, through, I mean, cover crops is like kind of like the, the, the first baby step to do so it's kind of like the lowest hanging fruit before like transitioning land into perennials for grazing, but they're realizing that there is viability in bringing home the next generation through adding a livestock enterprise. And so it's, it's amazing. That's like the hopeful part of the story is that we want to see, um, you know, more the next generation of farmers on our landscape we also know that there are, you know, if you don't have children or have children that want to come home to the farm, which is certainly the case a lot of the time, we also know that beginning farmers, um, especially in PFI's beginning farmer program, the majority of them are starting with livestock and they're starting with livestock because they can afford to, they can buy breeding stock and maybe an old beat up pickup and a livestock trailer and some fencing. And for about $4,000, you have your, your startup um, and you could haul animals to other places. So like custom grazing businesses, as we're seeing in California, as we're seeing on the East coast that haul animals to different grazing or browsing sites are becoming a really popular thing. And I think we're just going to see more and more of that in the Midwest. And um, it's a viable way to start a business. Whereas, you know, young farmers don't like economically, economically can't really make um, starting a crop farm work on paper unless they inherit it. But, you know, land prices are, I mean, in Iowa, they're 11 to $13,000 an acre. And who no beginning farmer can afford the equipment that comes with row crop farming. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, something that Greg Judy says, he's a grazer in Missouri, that really has always stuck with me is that you don't have to own land mm -hmm. to, to graze or to be a farmer. And his goal ultimately was to heal the land through grazing livestock. And he didn't need to own that land to do so. And so he started his business um, through a through custom grazing. He was grazing his cattle that he owned and sheep on other people's land all around his county. And so we need to see more of that because we know that land ownership and land access is the number one obstacle for beginning farmers. And so let's get through that obstacle. You don't have to own the land. Yeah, yeah. Now that... 
that is so true. You got my wheels turning now. You know, how can we use this this website? How can we utilize what's maybe underutilized in our in our environments and our uh, operations already? Um, and what I like too is, like you mentioned, this can be an opportunity for someone else to do the work. You, you know, if you're a crop farmer and you want to get livestock integrated onto your land, and you're saying, "Well, I don't have fence, I don't have water, I don't have time." I don't have an interest. I don't want to do it. We got rid of the cows back and whenever, for whatever reason, I don't want to go back. You know, that's fine. Um, you can generate profit while giving a, an opportunity to someone else, you know, let exactly. someone else um, do that. Uh, we actually grazed a uh, crop residue at a person not too far down the road. And we went out and built the fence in, in the fall uh, in one day and uh, took the fence up in a day in the spring. And he didn't, you know, didn't affect him much. And, and we checked the cows. It didn't affect him while he was harvesting or anything. It, it can be a low labor input, low investment profit center for your operation. And, and that provides potential, like you say, for those beginning farmers. And uh, that is, is really exciting. So thank you for sharing those thoughts. Absolutely. I think the future of farming looks more collaborative and it looks like working together. And it's about stacking enterprises. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're raising more things on that same amount of land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Awesome. Well, as we kind of point towards wrapping up here, is there anything I've missed something you want to uh, address before we wrap up? Yeah, I would love to talk about a couple other things. So sure. one thing that I want to make clear is that this website, um, you know, we've talked a lot about grazing cover crops and maybe like other other pastures and browsing goats. So I just want to make clear that this website, um, you can choose what what um, type of land you're looking for um, by, you know, we also included crop residue. We included native prairies. We included woodland because we know there's a growing interest in silvopasture and that it's a practice we really should um, be adopting more so. Um, and we also included urban areas because we know there's more interest in like grazing county parks or grazing airport strips. Um, people are getting really creative. So it's not just cover crops and pasture. Like there are all kinds of types of landscapes to graze out there that could benefit from livestock impact. So um, check out the website and look at all the different options. Mm -hmm. um, and Jared, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention was, um, well, we have listed on our website a curated list of different resources. So there's grazing resources. There are resources on how to develop a lease agreement. So when you're working with a landowner or when you're working with a cattle owner or livestock owner, um, I know a lot of these deals are like handshake deals, mm -hmm. but some people want to formalize that in a contract. And so there are templates on the website to use, to figure out, you know, figure out what works for you and how to structure a lease that's going to work for both parties and be fair. Um, obviously I should say that like, if you do have questions about that or concerns, it's good to seek legal advice if you think that's necessary. Um, and I also want to say I get a lot of questions about like what rate I sh a landowner should charge or a grazer should charge. Sure. And 
So that question, I wish I had an answer for you right off the bat, but of course I'm going to say it depends and (laughs) it depends on, um, your costs, your cost Mm -hmm. to operate. It depends on your costs of your land and how much you could rent it out for to a crop Mm -hmm. farmer, or if you're renting it out as pasture. Sure. Um, and it depends if you're a grazer on your cost to keep your animals. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have an underlying understanding of your costs. So true. And then, yeah. and then the situation can vary by who does what. So is the grace grazer close enough that he or she can come over and check on cows every other day? Or are they 50 miles away and they brought their cows over to your place for two months and Mm -hmm. you've worked out a deal where you go check on the cows every day. So it depends on like who's watering, who's checking fence, who's checking cows and who's paying for what. Um, And that is just going to be variable for every situation. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. The context of every operation is going to be different. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, on, on our farm, we think every day we can not feed hay is a day we're, we're saving money. But I say that, and I know a farmer who happens to be located next to a person who harvests uh, um, like pasture seed. And so he gets virtually free. They, they, they harvest the seed and he gets the, the remainder of the crop, the grass for virtually free. And because of his unique situation, he has a very large quantity of cheap hay that he can feed hay probably year round cheaper than we could graze in the middle of summer. I mean, it's, it's, it's a context of his, uh, his operation that is an advantage to him. And, you know, if you can afford to feed cheaper than you could graze corn crops, you know, keep that in mind when you're offering a price to pay for grazing or, or if, uh, if you're looking, what price should I, uh, what price should I, uh, custom graze for someone else, it's going to matter on, yeah, what your context is, is your operation, prime quality cropland that is high, high dollar stuff. And in which case you better be paid fairly for it. Or is it, you know, low quality ground, maybe you're getting a, an affordable rent from someone, then, then you can afford to bring the price down and the higher the price, the more difficult it might be find, to find someone to match up with, but you need to get paid fairly for your work too. So that is, a, it, it is one of those it depends questions. That's a great point. Absolutely. And just for a little example, I do know of a goat grazing outfit that um, charges a dollar per head per day. So, Mm. you know, if they bring in 250 goats, which might only, they might only need to stay somewhere for five days. I mean, that's $250 a day that can really add up. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people charge by head. Sometimes people charge by day. Sometimes people charge by month. So it's just, it's really variable. Know what you need to get, know what you need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't be afraid to out. sit down with a pencil and a paper. Exactly. Or in my case, I'm a big Excel spreadsheets guy. Uh, my wife would tell you, I spend way too much time on Excel running numbers, but uh, I think it's important. So great. And there are plenty of resources out there to find m- more information on Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. some going rates are for pasture rental, if you can make that comparison or for custom grazing. So, Mm -hmm. um, do a search on that, contact me and have, we can have a deeper discussion about it. Um, for Minnesota listeners out there, we do have two grazing exchanges Yeah. at this point. We're, um, both are in operation. Mm -hmm. You could Mm -hmm. make a listing on both of them. There's potential in the future for the Minnesota exchange to be folded into the regional exchange. Um, and 
really, I think what it's about is like, just like a dating website is like the more users equals the more success. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we just need people to use it. Yeah. Yeah. With that, uh, if there's nothing else, why don't you just tell us the the website, um, how to, how to contact you or, or somebody if they have any questions or want to get involved. Absolutely. So again, the website is midwestgrazingexchange.com and you will see a contacts tab on that website. Each state, so I should also list the states. So we have Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. So there's six states included in this grazing exchange. And each state has a state host. So it's someone in that state that can field questions pertaining to your situation. So I would say your first line of contact, which you can find on the website, is your state host. Um, we also the listeners, that's me. So <laughs> feel free to reach Jared out. Lumen yeah. at SFA. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, if you have any other questions in general, like I've gotten some requests from a couple other states, Kansas and Michigan to say, can we expand this to our state? Um, and we'd love to in the future. So um, if you have other questions like that, you're welcome to contact me. My email is Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N at practicalfarmers.org. And my phone number is 515-232-5661. So you're always welcome to contact me and all of our information is listed on the website. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Megan. Thank you, Jared. I'm happy to have the opportunity to try to spread the good grazing word. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. I appreciate it. Dirt Rich is produced by the Sustainable Farming Association. We believe that agriculture, done well, heals. For more resources or to tap into the Farmer to Farmer network, visit us at sfa-mn.org.